Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratycast. I'm delighted to be joined by Nathan Thomas, a former Manchester United journalist who worked for the club after a brief spell with Stratty News back in 2010. Nathan, how are you? I'm very good, Dale. Not so bad at all. You know, given certain uh, present circumstances, yeah, all good. What about yourself? All good good with you? Trying to keep busy, trying to keep busy, but... But just just before we start, you're not working for the club anymore. You've you've stepped aside from journalism. You're into music now. I am, yeah. One one thing, one extreme to the other. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think a lot of people will probably listen to me and having when they hear that, as, as you were saying, I've worked for United for it was about what well, I did four years working there, and then I was kind of um, doing little bits here and there whilst I was at university. And I imagine most will be thinking, why, why on earth would you would you leave that job even to do something? like music that I'm really, really into. And, and yeah, and to be honest with you, sometimes I ask myself that and I was asking myself that right up until the day that I left. But it was just something I felt, I think with where music's concerned, I kind of felt, oh, this is given where I was, I was probably 27 or something, 26, 27. I thought, mm. oh, this is the time to, to give it a go. And you never know. I'll, you know, obviously continue to go to United as a, as a match going fan. And, you know, who knows? I may end up back there again in the future, but um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a, fa- it was, it was one of these. I, I've not really kind of spoken about it before, other than to, you know, when you meet up with old colleagues about my time at United, and uh, it was just, it, it was just brilliant, you know. Like, like I feel so lucky to have worked there, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, the club has got kind of has had mixed press over the years, you know, probably more, you know, negative in recent times. But from my experience, I. A really really positive time there and certainly the people in the media department I couldn't speak higher of them it's a tough tough industry to work in and when things aren't going well it's hard for them but you know they, they were brilliant and still are there's some top some really good like you know long-standing United fans there who know the club and uh, yeah I was I had a ball there to be honest 
Tell us about when you started working at the club, because obviously you were a younger lad then, United fan. You must have been buzzing. You must have been buzzing at the, at the thought of interviewing some of the stars that you, that you watched week in, week out. Yeah, 100%. And to be honest with you, like, I think for, for a lot of the time there, I suffered massively with imposter syndrome because I've, I've really felt like I'd I'd got in through the back door. Like I, the way I started working at the club is I, I remember this was probably about 2009 and I saw an advert on the website for the, uh, I guess, much since I didn't realize this at the time, but the, the much maligned fans forum that, you know, this faceless fans forum, which I didn't really know anything about at the time. I was 16, 17. And I thought, I thought, you know, okay, I'll, I'll put in for it. Why not? You know, and, uh, uh, and I think there was various different kind of subcategories, you know, season ticket holders, local resident, this, that, and the other. And uh, I was going in for, I think it was like 16 to 21 year old representative or something. Mm. Didn't think for a minute I'd get on. And then, and then to my surprise, I got on and, and I kind of, I still didn't realize what this thing was. It was just, you know, you'll know yourself at the time, just like, oh, anything with United on, yeah. anything that you can do to get involved with the club, you were, you know, you were, you were up for doing. So I went along and then to my surprise, it was, you know, like David Gill was on at the time and Phil Townsend, who was uh, communications uh, secretary at the time. Too. And Great guy. Yeah, re- yeah, I was, I, and that was basically, I, I did that, for, I ended up doing that for four years. And one of, one of the, I think my proudest achievements, not just, just, just in my life so far was, was pushing to the uh, concessioning for um, like, you know, for under, under 21s. Because when I started on the forum, you you paid, I think it was a tenner for a ticket if you were under 16 and then, or, you know, average in match by match. Uh, and then when you went over that, when you went, when you turned 17, you were suddenly paying you know, 35 quid a match, you know, at, at, the, at the least. And I felt that that, that wasn't right. And obviously it wasn't just me involved that, you know, there's various other different people that kind of pushed for this, but it was, I thought testament to the club that they actually listened to just little old me and and kind of implemented that. But anyway, I'm kind of going off on a tangent. Sure, but 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 on I, that, base- I think I think that's interesting. You mentioned that you raised something that you thought the club could improve on, and they listened. Yeah. Was there any other cases like that? Because I I think as as fans that haven't worked with the club and maybe as an independent blog on the club, we kind of feel a little bit distant from 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 say decisions that are made and we don't really feel we have a voice as per se with decisions made at the club so that's kind of positive you as a fan felt you had kind of a bit of a, a bit of a way getting that approved yeah i think it was that was encouraging and i totally empathize with what what you just said and i also feel um like coming back to david gill who was basically the reason that i ended up working at united like i think in the last few years david took a lot of stick um in terms of the the ownership of the glazer ownership and i think in terms of the way that he decided to sever communications with the fans in personally agree with that but on a personal level he was he was brilliant with me he didn't you know i would he didn't know me from adam i was just this kid this local lad who had gone in you know almost felt like i'd flagged his way into this fans forum and i asked him you know i was kind of thinking of going down a journalism route would it be possible of kind of sorting sorting me some work experience out and he could have just been like oh yeah you know i'll look into it and then never hear from me again and within within days he'd sorted he'd sorted some time out for me um uh, at MUTV and and at the website, but coming coming back to um, your point, yeah, it was very encouraging. And to be honest, it was in my time on the it, the only thing, the only kind of considerable change that I kind of recall from my time on there. I think I was at the time I was still young. I, I felt that if I was on it now, I'd maybe raise other issues. But you are, you know, I'll admit, I, I certainly, my, I remember my first session there. I was seventeen, surrounded by all these 
you know, blokes yeah. in suits and, yeah. and I just, and, and you, it was very rabbit in the headlights. And it's like, what, what do I, what the hell do I concentrate here? And I think after time I thought, well, what can I, what can I do here? And I thought, well, I'm a young supporter. This, this game is going in the direction where it's pricing out a lot of young people. And I, and I thought, you know, if I could push for something that's rep, you know, that's slightly more, you know, acknowledging of the fact that there are a lot of young kids locally and further afield that want to watch United and, and it's just too expensive. And, you know, granted, when they introduced these concessions, it wasn't as if it went to, you know, it wasn't dirt cheap, of course. And it's still, you know, it's still more than some would argue you should be paying. But it, like you say, it was good that they, uh, that, that they actually, they acknowledged the issue and they did something about it. And I feel that they probably, I think certainly in those first few years under, under the Glazer ownership, they probably should have done more things like that publicly because it would have done them a hell of a lot yes, of good rather yes. than just sort of putting the barrier down and you know kind of ignoring you know because it was evident that they were willing to listen but for whatever reason i guess they just were trying to avoid any kind of large-scale i think as well with that you know you need to ensure with with city spending the money they've been spending and the titles they've been winning in recent years and having a fantastic manager like guardiola there is, there is a pull factor to city at the moment in manchester for young lads going to games and i think united should be making it that bit cheaper to ensure the teenagers are following united and the future is that United, not at City? It's very important United do that, and that, that that's maybe one of the reasons why they they, they they did listen. But you mentioned David Gill and how he was, um, I suppose, of help when you, when you first got to the club. So so you you you've experienced different managers manage United. You've experienced the big transition really of of David Gill and Sir Alex Ferguson to to David Moyes and, and Woodward and beyond. What was that like? You mentioned your relationship with, with David Gill. What was it like with Woodward? Did he was he open, friendly? To be honest, I've like with regards to Ed Woodward, like, I've I've only I met him on one occasion, so I've I couldn't really comment on on how he was in terms of the transition um, with with different managers. When I so I first my first week or two weeks of work experience were in 2010 uh, and then I continued to go in kind of intermittently whilst I was at university um, so obviously they were the last three years of Sir Alex's time in charge and and you know it, it was kind of just it was just a well or it felt to me like a very well oiled machine at that point you know obviously you could when looking back now you could argue the kind of the, the cracks would have been there for what subsequently happened but at the time you know United were winning still we were winning leagues we were competing in top European competition and, and progressing so it just felt like a very well oiled machine. And then, funnily enough, my um, when I first started working there um, as a you know like full time was uh, was under David Moyes. So for the for the subsequent four years, my the, the bulk of the time spent at United was under different managers, and it was interesting just seeing the the mood. way that the mood the around the club, the definitely the mood, and and also the way that they would have to adapt to what a certain manager wanted. And, and yeah, it is, it is funny. Now we, you know, we, I guess we, in terms of what we did in our department, because we were more intrinsically linked to the football, you know, as opposed to say the finance department, yeah. you know, this, what we were doing was uh, what we could put out the content that we could produce was, was very much dependent on how well or otherwise we were doing on the football pitch. So when things weren't going great, you know, and there were times under every manager that we've had since though it's not that it's not been going great. It was, you know, the mood's low and, I remember in my first season there, which was under Moyes, we were doing um, the podcast at the time, which was a podcast called Red Voices, I think. And mm. and it became 
towards i think i think in the end we just canned it because it just became hard to be positive and um i think coming back to what you were saying at the start uh with the, it sounds like the club are wanting to to have that kind of match going fans voice mm. i don't think that was as prevalent when i was there but they wanted to, to have a um you know an element of that but I think it was it became you know you were also towing a bit of a line and when things weren't going great you know you felt it just was ridiculous to come on and try and be positive about something that was clearly you know it was a bad situation so it was it was interesting to see the what the different managers did in terms of what that meant for us and uh, but yeah in terms of what we were doing it was it felt to me like I joined at the time where United finally kind of grasp the importance of social media so i feel that where where they are now it has moved you know it was kind of it was at the start of that kind of at you the bottom of the hill when too, i got there it took him it took him years to launch a twitter account years yeah, you know, know. really took yeah. him a long long time and now now united like i know there's there's different social media networks kind of emerging as in tiktok which is very popular now during lockdown with kids um, I I haven't got TikTok, but I did, I did go on it the other day, and I was looking at football clubs and Bayern Munich, there's Barcelona, clubs are jumping on it, and I wouldn't be surprised if United were quicker than they were at jumping on Twitter. That 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 was years. Yeah, a long yeah. long. Oh, it was, it was, and it was a surprise to me. Um, I think it was just a case if they thought that the 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 brand was so big that they they probably didn't need it. You know, they didn't recognise what Twitter was going to be in terms of the way that you could promote yourself through it. And mm-hmm. it, that that in itself was a surprise to me. You think back into the the nineteen nineties when United was so ahead of the curve in terms of the the merchandising side of things and and the way that they've they've created this this monster of a brand. You know, United were just ahead of everybody else in that respect uh so it was a it was a surprise seeing that i am you know there would have still been people at the club you know say around 2010 that would have always seen that period of growth yeah. that they weren't on the ball with this with this thing and you're right they were still you know there was we were playing catch up and um but, it, but you know it took a while you look at it now and you look at the, the service that they provide not just twitter and you look at the mutv subscription thing and there's a library of of, pre, of footage from years gone of, of games and stuff and it's really really good um, it, and it's been actually a saviour of mine during this lockdown period that I can just jump to my TV and play pretty much any of the old classic games or documentaries on, on, on players previous players and stuff it's really really good um, during your time at the club obviously you could have carried out some interviews with, with players and stuff who was the most interesting interview and was there ever any period where it didn't go well. It, it, there was a, you know, a bit of a, an upset along the way or so. Uh, let me any awkward, any firstly, awkward think, moments? Uh, awkward moments. That I want. There was. I don't recall anything that I'm. The, I'm definitely the type of person that it will, you know, kind of if something awkward or cringe with like that happens, I'll, I'll, I'll carry that with me for a, yeah. for a long time afterwards. And thankfully, I don't think, I don't think I've had any. That like, because I'll be honest. When I was I, in terms of who did the interviews, who did the weekly interviews, I wasn't kind of high on that on okay. that roster. I was kind, but but I, I did I did do quite a few, uh, which I imagine had I done more, I would have had more awkward moments uh, to report to you. I think the, the 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 standout story for me, the one that I always think about and that I think will, um, I'll 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 cherish this forever. I think was uh, there was one afternoon and we were um, 
the foundation were opening a new partner school in Middleton. And uh, I was asked to go along with an MUTV cameraman just to just to cover the event. Uh, anyway, I then found out that um, the United would always send uh, a club representative, you know, um, usually like a, like Brian Robson, something like that. But on this occasion, it was Bobby Charlton. And uh, uh, we went down, and uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure did I know I was going to do that. I think there were hope that we'd be able to get an interview with him. That was the idea. But um, obviously, with Bobby being a little bit older, I think they were unsure as to what he would want to do. Anyways, we got to this school, and they did the kind of the uh, the usual stuff of the kind of official opening, and then Bobby, so Bobby met some of the, uh, the kids and whatnot, and then. Afterwards, it became apparent that you know we get a little bit of time with him, and uh, the we went. I went into the can the school canteen, and it was just this most surreal moment for about for about five minutes or so, where I was just sat on this school canteen bench. I think I was eating a scone. I don't know why they were serving scones, but they were. And opposite me is Sir Bobby Charlton, and we just sat there. And I'm thinking, what is what is happening here? This is this is Sir Bobby, you know. He had, he's won it, won it all, you know, absolute giant of the game. And I'm sat there and I can't remember what, exactly what I said to him. But I think one of the things I said to him was my dad, when my dad was growing up, he used to, I think he used to go round to his house, like asking for his autograph on an all too frequent occasion. And there, and there was no way, there was no way like Bobby Chant was going to remember this. But yeah. I thought, oh, I need to say something to this man. And I brought it up and he was, you know, he just kind of, he just kind of laughed at it. But it was so interesting. Just, it was, it was, it was a, you know, pinch yourself moment. And yeah. this, he was so nice, so humble. He, he was asking about me. I was like, why do you care about me? Like, you know, you're Bobby Chant, you know, you've won everything and all this. And it was just, it was, it was one of these where, I think sometimes when, when you're at United and you, you know, you go there and, you know, you're there for a few years and, you, you know, it's, it's, your, it's your job, you go into the office, you do your work, you go home. And there are certain moments where I found it was like, you know, I'm very, very lucky to be in this. I'm in a very privileged position here. And and he was, you know, he was fantastic. Uh, he gave a really good interview just talking about where the club was. Obviously, you know, within the confines of yeah. what he, he could say as someone so significant, you know, he didn't give me any, any juicy gossip as such. But I was just touched by just what, just how nice he was and you know not touched by any of this greatness that mm. everybody can see surrounding him but yeah i think that was um uh that was that was probably my my top moment from working there in terms of other kind of interviews uh, i remember ask, i remember being keen to ask Dion dublin about um homes under working on homes under the hammer <laughs> so i was i was asking him about obviously i was talking <laughs> talking to him about some uh you know whatever the issue was at the time but i thought i wasn't i wasn't um Usually what happened was my boss would give me a kind of a rough idea of what we wanted to get from him. Mm. But I thought, I've got to ask him about uh, Homes Under the Hammer. And and I just squeezed it in at the end. And I, was, and I can't remember how I phrased it, but I asked him. And he really made me laugh because he said, uh, he was like, and he said, and he was serious as well. He wasn't joking, but he really made me laugh. He said, um, oh, it was, you know, it was just an offer I couldn't refuse. And I was like, <laughs> even now you're still speaking like a footballer. It's like, it's like it's, it, you know, it's like he... It's like I was talking about Real Madrid or something, and it was like, yeah, I just couldn't, I just couldn't. When Holmes under the hammer come knocking, you don't say no. <laughs> so what, one of the, the funniest stories that I recall of, of, of like that um, included Roy Keane and Phil Brown did a did a podcast with Keane, and he got um, access through the FAI, the Republic of Ireland Football Association. So he, I think he's about twenty minutes into the interview with Keane, and he he realised that he hasn't started recording. How do you how, how do you break oh. that to to Roy Keane? You know, oh. you, you either basically say nothing and then scrap one of the biggest interviews you're going to get, 
or you bite your tongue and you just say, look, he's going to bollock me, but I'm going to try and, and break it to him nicely. But he, whatever way he said it to him, Keane agreed to give him a, said fine, he goes to the start again, he gave him another half an hour. Which was probably which was a surprise, you know. I I don't know what what I'd do if I was in that situation with Roy Keane. Oh, I know. I think he he would be the you know if you it, it would be an awkward situation full stop. Yeah. Uh, you imagine some would be more understanding, uh, but yeah, with Roy Keane that kind of situation. If you were having a nightmare of that situation, Roy Keane would without doubt be that person. <laughs> Something you mentioned the office where in which you worked in with MUTV and and writing about United. I've been confused about this for years because I was always under the illusion it was that old Trafford, and I believe it was. That's been moved now up around the corner by the chipper, Liam Carey's chipper, hasn't it? It has, yeah. It, it, it's funny to say it moved for, for probably half. I, it had moved just as I it, uh, started. When Moyes came in 2013. Yeah. So it was, we, were in, we were initially in the, uh, the East End, and then we moved to it was a building on Chester Road, which became known as Gold Trafford. Because uh, of the gold tinted windows, mm. so and it and it just it was funny how we like that wasn't its official name, obviously, but how it suddenly just became everybody knew it as that, and then you would ask, you would often ask some, you know, in the early days, you would talk about, uh, you know, you, you'd mention it to a steward who just looked completely bewildered by what yeah. you just what you just mentioned it. So yeah, did, that we were just around the corner. Did that take a shine off things for you? Because you're only starting the club, and I suppose if you were walking to Old Trafford every day, like you look around and theater dreams and then for some reason they they shacked you around the corner i think uh it might have done had that been like my because i didn't really even though i was i was starting there as you know going in every day and working there i felt like i'd already been going in i was going in regularly enough and had been doing for the previous yeah. three years so i think and the, for the first three years of me going in uh we were in the east and we were going you know you'd go in, in the main entrance full trafford so it might have done a little bit um, and I know some people weren't happy about it, uh, who'd been working there for a while at first, um, uh, c- you know, because I think they weren't. I mean, it, yeah, they weren't bad these offices, but like I say, it's just not. It's not Old Trafford, is it? You yeah. Know? It, uh, well, when it, you work it, 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 it is a big step down. You're talking about one of the the biggest football stadiums in the world. To, to the view, the views, for instance, aren't exactly spectacular. You can see the corner of Old Trafford, and that's about it, I guess. But are they? Are yeah. they do they own the whole the whole um, building, or is it just a floor or two? Uh, when I was there, I think it was it was two floors that they owned. I okay. believe um, there was always there was talk, um, nothing serious, but there was talk of us moving again to a yeah. different office in the in the in the immediate vicinity. Uh, they're still there, from what I from what I know, um, and whether they bought there was I think I think the I think the building had about five or six floors. United definitely owned two. Uh, yeah. and, the, and there was another there was another floor that was empty so whether they were thinking of um expanding again i'm not sure but yeah it was it you know the, the office it was it was very nice um but yeah i think um it, yeah had that been my my proper first day um it might have been like oh this is, you know, it's not quite not quite what i had in mind but because i'd been like i said lucky enough to for them to be asking me in hmm. quite regularly whilst I was at uni it was yeah didn't really get that uh, which is getting lots of publicity at the moment is the job that they advertise for the head of social media just this summer. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, suppose with, with people, I guess some of the listeners may have applied for that. For, for, from your point of view, what are the pros in working for the club you love? What are the biggest pros? The pros, I mean, well, firstly, like the the experiences that you that you get, you know, such as the one that I mentioned before, uh, the people that you that you get to meet, and just I think the feeling that you 
I think some of the some of the best people that I met were kind of when you would go to um, like I'd often just go to the museum on a given day or go to the megastore or something and I'd interview fans and meet fans from you know every corner of the globe and it was like this is insane you know all these different and they were and they were often so excited to be kind of to be to be spoken to and they were so passionate about United and you know they'd you know they'd be living in far flung corners of the world and they just know explicit details about everything and you know that that's exciting you can meet so many different people the experiences that you get um and you know if you are a fan it's like you, you're right on the pulse you know it was exciting when we get word that you know such a body had signed a contract or yeah this is this sign is definitely happening you know that's that was absolutely would you, you get know, much of that great. was was there much of that was there much like how much time in advance would you, would you yeah, get on, think, it, on a story like that i think it was one of these where i think when i was there um because the because the media was rapidly changing, you know, yeah, namely with Twitter, like yeah. we'd spoken about, that it was um, we would we would probably know these things, um, you know, we'd be one of the earliest to know it, um, you know, maybe in line with the the national journalist, perhaps maybe a little bit before the obviously the issue we had is we couldn't mention it until it was signed, sealed and delivered, you know, so but you'd have by the to time get a body of work together, graphics and for announcements mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like that obviously, I remember the, the Paul Pogba transfer, for instance, that uh, that was held up because of uh, an advertising shoot in, in America with Adidas. So they had to wait oh, yeah, for that to be done, it. you know. So like as a football fan, someone that has no, no idea how the media works, just read the paper. There's so much to announce in that football transfer. Oh, yeah, it's it's like a it's like a military operation. I remember uh, legging it down um, Smart Busby Way after we'd had some like staff meeting at Old Trafford, um, and we'd kind of been uh, like a few of us had been sort of dragged out, and it was it was when Lukaku was happening, and yeah. it was one of these like suddenly everyone's in the in the meeting room, and it's like okay, this and we need this and we need this for marketing, and it's like whoa. And I, I was doing the uh, this by this point, I'd moved on to the MUTV app which is basically just sort of for those people that don't know, it's just the, you know, having the, the channel on your phone or your mobile device. Uh, so I had to do various different things and create and, and get all this video content that the guys were creating in place um, to, to launch at a certain time. And I always remember that one in particular was there was, there was this thing with, there was a thing with Rooney wasn't there where he was going to Everton and Lukaku, we, we were getting Lukaku and it was kind of, there was a, there was some sort of an alignment of the announcement and we, this this app, um, the system hadn't been in place for too long. It was still kind of having teething problems, and um, I, I remember I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was there was an issue with it posting, and it needed to post at the right time. And I remember something happening, and it was just like, oh my god, I just had these awful visions. I'm just got you know the press are gonna pick up on it. I mean, it was nothing in the grand scheme of things, but I was just, you know when you're 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 hmm. you're putting this video out, which is basically Romelu Lukaku is signed for United. And 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 the rest, and it's like it's not published. It's not published, and the and the, and the no. Oh, that was it. We were set, um, marketing had to send a, uh, a push notification. So they'd sent a push notification on the time that I told them that this video would be live. Mm-hmm. You know, Lukaku sends for United. See the official interview here or whatever. And then so that had gone out, and I published a video, but the bloody video hadn't gone up. So I'm like, oh my god. So people are gonna be clicking through nothing there, and I'm gonna lose my job. <laughs> and, and it was yeah, it was fine. It was fine then, but it was like it, yeah, it was one of those where you, you, I guess, some would some would see that as a negative. Some would thrive on that in terms of the you know the pressure of all this kind of um, 
you know, in terms of the expectation and getting things right. And I think I had it easy in compared to like the guys that were manning Twitter and like you all know yourself, like, you know, the abuse that you can get through that and this, that and the other. So it's, it's a job for someone that I would say um, ideally would love United. It's not necessarily um, a given that you have to. There was plenty of people that worked and did a very good job, believe it or not, that supported certain other clubs that you'd be surprised uh, I, you believe, know, I, I, I believe the ticket world. office is full of, of full of City fans. Is it right? Well, that might explain. That might explain a lot. Well, there's a lot of frustrated people with that's not been to an away game in five years. Maybe they're just taking the mick. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, in terms of working in the media department, I think it, it's it's an exciting, like fast-paced. Um, that's the thing about media. Be in. You're someone that's worked for me. I'm someone that works for media. And like, take away football. That's what I enjoy about the job. It's fast-paced. You, you nearly have adrenaline sometimes, and you mentioned that instance with the video on the Kaku. I guarantee your body was bubbling with adrenaline when you when you felt when you yeah. figured that, oh fuck, that that was a mistake. But but in general, that's part of the excitement, and you did that mm. for Manchester United. You know, like yeah, yeah, I, yeah added excitement, definitely. added excitement, which is massive. Um, you mentioned but, quickly as well before I go back to this before you move on about an awkward moment uh, one kind of kind of has popped into my mind and it was they used to do these and well they, I imagine they still do them um call, they called them uh, player appearance days and it was basically they'd either happen at Carrington or at Old Trafford and they'd be days where all the sponsors would uh, be allocated time with um a cert- with with certain players to interview them to film like a commercial shoot with them to do all sorts of different things so in our department, we were responsible for kind of doing this grand plan of, of, of which players needed to be where at certain times. And then each player was given a chaperone. Um, and uh, most of the time, the guys in the marketing department were these chaperones. And your job, would you, you, would, you would just have their plan and you would just take him to XYZ at whatever time. Um, on this particular day, it was a big shoot. Can't remember why. Um, so they were drafting in, I, I think this was my first year, so they were just drafting in people to help, even if it wasn't what you'd normally do. So I I, um, I got drafted in there and was given a player. I don't, I don't know, uh, I'm not I'm undecided yet if I'm going to mention his name, but a well-known player and one well-loved among United fans. And basically what happened was he, uh, I, I, I debate to this day whether he had been told this or whether he just imagined this, but he was under the opinion he'd be there for one hour whereas it was going to be two at least. And so at first he was, he was nice and chatting away to him. And he, uh, and then it got to the point where we'd passed the hour and he was like, I need to, I, you know, I need to get going now. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm kind of like pig in the middle. Cause it's not, you know, I'm not in charge. I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm just saying, no, you've been told, I've been told you need to be here and you need to be here. And he's like, Oh, you know, I'm not honest. I thought, look, I was just kind of trying to ease him through it, you know, like he was a little boy. He's like, no, one more, one more, do one more. And then, we, you know, we'll be fine. And then he, get, he gets to this shoe and, and he's just like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm going. And I ended up, um, <laughs> was that, I think, I think by this point, for some reason, I was carrying his clothes. I was cla- carrying his, his civilian <laughs> is a low moment so i so i'm there with his clothes and 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 he's kind of he i know he just grabs his clothes off me wait so hold on he, he was then, in his he kit he wasn't he wasn't naked he, well, don't worry he wasn't <laughs> naked yeah this yeah this it's 
Yeah, it's an odd story, but it doesn't take that much of a bizarre slant. But yeah, he was he was in like United tracksuit or um or, or kit or something. Yeah. So I think I had I had his I had his clothes in like two United Mega Store bags, I think, carrying them around like he's lackey. Um, and so the next thing, I'm kind of stood there, and like I say, I've not been there that long, quite young, and I'm just like. So he just grabs these clothes off me. So I'm like, all right, okay. So I then go, I then go to the, to one of the marketing guys. I'm just like, he's, I think he's, I think he's just going. So I then kind of walk over with this marketing guy, and it's in this um, one of the suites at Old Trafford, and he, and he kind of, he, the player would walk to the exit doors where there's like doors, and then a little bit of space, and then doors to the exit. So we got in there and. Uh, I, I was saying he wasn't naked, but the, well, I guess he wasn't far off because we get there and he's like, and he's in his underwear getting changed back into his clothes, not happy about this. And the guy's like pleading with him to stay. And I'm just kind of stood there, you know, offering nothing to this conversation and just being like, do, do I, you know, do I, do I, do, do I intervene? Do I just walk away or awkwardly? That's a horrible he, situation he went, for you he, to be in. Uh, your first year. And he went. <laughs> the player went as well. He was at least he went. So then, so what was funny then is that the guy, kind of the marketing guy, had to go and kind of like explain to his bosses, or more more likely explain to Chevrolet or whoever yeah. why this player wasn't coming. And and I was kind of just stood there. So I just kind of what well, I think I went back, got a past it, and I went back to the office. And oh, you know, how did it go, Nathan? Oh yeah, it went fine. Went fine. <laughs> I remember, it. I remember doing something similar with with Jesse Lingard um, two years ago. Okay. Uh, we did it. We did a Chevrolet shoot in Manchester City Centre, and he was excellent, really, really good. And I yeah. was, I was almost thinking while it was being recorded that you know this isn't. You know when people think oh it's easy work for a footballer to do these adverts, but it's quite demanding, and it's, it's there's a lot of kind of like pointing out do this, do that, do this, do that, and a lot of it. This went on for three or four hours. He was oh, really, yeah. really yeah. good, um, really friendly, down to earth, nice. But as I, I would imagine. There are some players that don't like that and and, and hate it because yeah. like oh yeah definitely I I I would re- I wouldn't particularly enjoy it myself um it'd be quite frustrating and annoying someone telling you to do this and that but for for, for you in that story I'd imagine if that was me I want the world to eat me up <laughs> it, it was funny because I I kind of. I kind of sympathise with them yeah, in a yeah. way. A lot of people yeah. wouldn't because I they'd be would. like, oh, they earn this, that, they earn this and that. And I was kind of like, I think when I started there, there was the kind of the last um, group of players where this this amount of intense media and marketing demand was a new thing. And I think a lot of them were getting a bit sick of it. Mm. Uh, a lot of them obviously left shortly after or tired i think nowadays you've got a team that uh under or you know you've got players that understand that is a huge part of the game you also got world-class players that lap it up yeah definitely yeah i think one thing i kind of feel as just as a fan is i wonder you know i like both you and i we grew up watching you know roy Keane's paul skulls gigs and it was it was just it was all about the football their life was football and winning and doing the best for manchester united and i'm not disputing that that is the case for you know the Marcus Rashford. Yeah. I love Rashford. I think he wants to do the best for United, but that there is this distraction there, and where, you know oh. where, whether they embrace it or not, there is a distraction, and I wonder how hard is that going to be for coaches to you know to achieve sustained success with that distraction. You were at the club while Jose Mourinho was there, correct? Yeah. So. He, mm-hmm. he he's a manager, and so Van Gaal was the same. They weren't particularly happy when 
when United went, uh, Mourinho was very vocal about it, when United went to America and, and players were kind of being advised to be at this part, at this time to do a, an advertisement yeah. thing. And, and his, his whole view was, well, I have these guys on pre-season training. I need to get them ready for the, for the season. And there's too much distractions. When you were working in in a media capacity at the club, did you did you notice tensions there when different coaches came in that maybe some players or more players were were less? You got less access because of that, maybe. Yeah, I think it was it was maybe not. I didn't notice it directly from yeah. kind of one to one experience, but definitely from you know what we were hearing from the press office and what we were being told and what oh he said this or he doesn't want this so it, yeah it, it was there was definitely a kind of a um kind of a clashing of opinions in terms of what really mattered um and i think there was times where we felt that it was a uh, for, for someone at a higher level to intervene in terms of you know because we we have these demands placed on us and they ultimately have to play ball but yeah i think it's a I think it's a changing culture, and I think with like Mourinho and Van Gaal, it's you know it would be kind of alien to them in terms of what they you know okay they would have they would have seen a little bit of it you know at various different clubs and stuff, but now it's just so it was such a huge thing, and like I say these these appearance days which happened once a month, you know they were huge you know in terms of maximising the time and the demand for time with the players from all different departments of the club was, was huge. Yeah. And it was like, you'd have emails. I think that um, my, the, uh, my last boss at United, she was kind of across that and then was kind of um, delegating bits of that to me before I went. And just the amount of people that wanted bits and it's like, Oh, that won't work. And Oh, we'll move him here. And then, and then what you'd get is um, you'd have, okay, we've got, um, and the Herrera has got this player, got this, uh, he's got Chevrolet at this time, uh, he's speaking with the website at this time, then this sponsor, then that sponsor, blah, 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 blah. And then you get an email saying, uh, and I can't do it. Or whether he might be injured, he's been pulled, uh, no reason given, yeah. that kind of thing. So it's like, so then what you've got to try and do is say, oh, well, okay, well, Chevrolet are going to want a player. So we're going to need to reallocate this, reallocate that, move this, blah, 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 blah. So it, it was unbelievable, you know, and that was, um, it was kind of, it was bubbling at the start of my time there, and then it was just like it was just huge, you know. By the time I left, I think you made an interesting point there that was almost alien to Van Gaal and and Mourinho, because I think one of the big differences that Jurgen Klopp has made at Liverpool has been the the whole environment of the dressing room one, is one thing, but I went to a pre-season match in Dublin two or three years ago, and and that summer. Liverpool and United came to came to Dublin, so I went as, as a reporter to both games, and I could see a massive difference in everything from being in the media room. For starters, Liverpool had a had a massive team of LFC TV um, employees, a massive team. There yeah. was so many guys on social media, so many reporters, and they were all there. And the club was super friendly when it came to interviewing players after the match. It was so open. So open, but the player, yeah. the players were almost trained to be bubbly, but not to give too much away either. To be nice and to yeah. be open, and and I and I do believe that Klopp made that a thing when he came in that we have to change the way we're the way we're perceived in the media. Um, it makes a massive difference. Whereas when United were there, it was quite difficult. And I remember the one of the only players that really stopped was was Andres Pereira, and he stopped to speak okay. to Andy Mitten in in, in Spanish. Um, right. in his own language so uh, so like 
that was the kind of the reason he stopped. We didn't really get much other than that. And obviously, the players would know Andy Mitten from from mix zones and yeah. and so on. <clears> so there was that. But but this is really important. I think also Solskjaer deserves a bit of bit of praise, and so does Mourinho even because both managers gave exclusive interviews to United We Stand while in yeah. charge of Manchester United, and that's really important because. You 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 had a big role at Man United as as a club journalist, and all the other club journalists exact same. But there is a difference between that and say United we stand and Strategy News too. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because we have a license, a license to kind of ask questions that maybe it'd be a little bit more uncomfortable than than what the than what the club would ask. That's fine, but it is hard to get those interviews. I suppose the question yeah. I want to ask is with with Mourinho and with Solskjaer doing those interviews with United We Stand. Some of the other sources out there, Strategy News, Republican Mancunia, Red News, Red Issue, when they were still a publication, were they ever brought up while you were in charge, when you were in, at the club, at, at, in the media kind of spectrum? Were they ever kind of referenced in, in the office? Did the club ever say, don't be sharing links on your social platforms to, to, to those outlets? or? Uh, I don't recall anything being explicitly mentioned about them. I mean, I guess there was a degree of common sense, or there was certainly in terms of, in my own head, it's like, okay, I need, you know, even though I've come from a background where I've, I'd go to every game and always read Red Issue and United We Stand Red News, that, you know, I, that I need to kind of watch what I say in certain areas. But in terms of them being, you know, oh, you know, avoid them or whatever, no, I don't remember that. Plenty of people read them. You know, there was uh, this, you know, plenty of these people that work there that have, that have got a history of writing for them, um, which I always kind of found I, I was I was really encouraged by that because I felt that even though, you know, we the, like you say, you know, club media is always going to be limited. They're not going to get the interview that you read on Straight News or in United We Stand. But I felt that if there were people at the club and enough of them with that kind of real understanding of match going support, then we could at least l- lean the content in that direction at, at best, you know. And it sounds like now there's been an acceptance of that, which I'm not quite sure we were at that stage when I was there. I think there was, um, like I say, plenty of people there who would have been for it. But I, it sounds to me and it looks to me, just looking at the content that they put out, that there, are, there has been a, a change of tack. Just, just in terms of like, I was noticing the other day, just, just tiny little things like you know where they'll, they'll, they'll refer to their audience as Reds, you know, somehow yeah. oh, what a night this was, Reds, you know. Yeah. And I know it's only a tiny thing, but they're trying to, um, yeah. to tap into that, and that to me suggests that the people that I was just referring to, the people that have read region night we stand, have written for them, go to games, have been going all their lives are kind of saying if we want to speak to you know i think that if we want to engage a certain aspect of the united uh, fan base then these are ways that you can do it since you're now away from the club and you're focusing on your music career i'm sure you're obviously still keeping in in ties with manchester united news on a daily basis is is it difficult is it more difficult now when you're reading say a column on, on, on Jadon sancho or a player a particular player you'd like to see at united they they're not in the office, so you can't lean to to someone and say, "Well, is this really happening?" Is it is it a bit different now, or are you, or are you still on the phone sending text messages? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was determined not to be that person. Yeah. So whilst it, it can be, I think 
like transfer news is concerned, I think I'd be less. Uh, and even when I was in the office, you know, we'd be reading stuff in the office and thinking, is is this, you know, is this, is this, is there anything in this? You know what I mean? We wouldn't know sometimes. Sometimes you'd hear stuff. Sometimes you wouldn't. But I think um, the, the the thing where I get the temptation to maybe send a text message is more kind of injuries. like with club club. Club, well, injuries, but also like club-related matters, you know, stuff like the the safe standing and stuff. Obviously, yeah. it sounds like that's made a bit of progress. And I think that when if there was, you know, if there had been a story in the press saying, you know, United to to give the go ahead, I'd be I'd be like, oh, you, you know, I'd I'd want to get in touch, but I kind of decided where that's concerned or getting any inside info, I just leave that. And I've kept in touch with all of them. They're all a lot of them are very good mates. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not. I, I thought I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be the nag. I'm not going to be that right. annoying guy that keeps texting for uh, for transfer gossip. You're not going to be the the true and true journalist then. I know, I know, that's what it is. I know, that's what it is. That's the thing. It might be different if I decided to start a blog or something or, you know, joined a different publication. I know, uh, because that's, I mean, look, that that is, that's just the way journalists operate. But but also, Nathan, the opportunity, I'm sure, down the line, I know you're in music now, but you always have that, um, the experience in media. And since since 2010, when when you were writing with Strike News, I remember you did a piece, you did a piece, when your first article was on Gary Neville. Um, I remember your piece on Gary Neville, and it was really, really good. So you've all, you've all, you've always had the talent there, and I'm sure your talent has even vastly improved with the experience you've got at Manchester United. But, but like I'd never, I'd never, um, I'd never give up on that. You know what I mean? Be, being, being a journalist and being a good writer—that's something you're always going to have. Yeah, oh, well, thank you very much for on the, the the pieces that I've done. I think, like I said at the start of this, like I did always feel like a bit of an imposter in the sense that I was I didn't do a journalism degree. I did history at university, and and I was surrounded by these great writers that yeah. had all you know had a kind of academic past in journalism. But I I thought that what I had to offer was kind of like obviously a passion for United. I felt like I knew the club. I felt like I was a decent-ish writer, you know, with with a, with a bit of help, I guess, here and there. Um, but yeah, I just I kind of felt what can I like when I got onto that fans forum. It was like what you know what can I uh, what can I offer to this to this place? It, yeah. And I felt that you know I just wanted to in my in the small ways that I could you know maybe you know just kind of bleed a little bit of you know the the match going fan into what I did. Um, and like I said, it is really good to hear that the club have have kind of have, have gone down that have gone yeah. down that route now. Uh, yeah, look through the social media, the club I think has vastly improved, and and during this pandemic too, the the club has been in a real positive light. You know, you mentioned during your time at the club, there there, there was times where there was a, a lot of negative publicity aimed towards the club for for several reasons. But but during this yeah. pandemic, they have not put a foot wrong. Some might argue that they've they've done things that they should be doing anyway. Um, but that's not the point because. A lot of people would argue that Manchester United and the whole community aspect of that is no longer, and they feel that they they feel a distance, but and and, and that's a lot to do with Premier League clubs in general and having foreign owners who, who don't really have a, a great um, knowledge of of how football works, and and that's why you got big boards, and that's why boards should be leading the club in the right direction. But during this pandemic, they've been fantastic. Harry Maguire yeah. on and off the pitch, Rashford on and off the pitch, yeah. with the NHS. It's been really, really positive, and I'm just hoping, whenever the transfer window opens and whenever the season starts, that we have a bit of positivity there too. Because before the before the league was stopped, eleven games unbeaten, the arrival of Bruno Fernandez, yeah. there was such positivity about Manchester United. And if you if you cast your mind back twelve months prior to that, and when we were going through that 
rough period at the end of last season with Solskjaer. The Manchester United team, in a lot of the games, I didn't like them. I didn't like the players. I fell out of love with the players. I actually, there was a, there was a time where I said that I hated some of them. Never in my <laughs> life have I ever felt that. It was a lot of reasons were because they were losing games. They wouldn't even acknowledge the travelling support that were there. And I believe Solskjaer made that a thing that they had to, hmm. you know, clap the away fans and show their respect. Now you look at the team, I love every single one of them. And as a fan, yeah. you should you should do you should do because definitely yeah. You know, it's very I heard important. when you, I, I was listening to your your podcast you did with Tom Grennan, and when I think you both brought that up then, and I I completely agree with you. And I think you know when you're younger, obviously you're the way that you look at football players compared to when you're you know ten years old and then your heroes to now it changes. But I I remember having that kind of realization over the past years. It's like there's not many that I absolutely like, that I look at. In fact, I love that he plays yeah. for United. I absolutely love it. And it was you know. Yeah, obviously there was the likes of Rashford's and Lingard's that have come through the account. But yeah, there was it, overall there wasn't. You just didn't feel overly invested there in the team, no, did there you? Was no United look feeling. at it now. It didn't feel United that, at all. No, hundred percent. And that and that is, I think, one of the 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 great the, the great yeah. achievements of so far. Yeah, is uh, instilling that kind of feeling of, like, say, likability. But there is this kind of uh, you know one aim among the squad, togetherness. This, you know, like I love Brandon Williams. I think, like in terms of what he stands for, just a lad from Harper A coming. You know, he's done fantastically well. He's, he just he just oozes United yeah. to me. And yeah. and obviously you've got the Greenwoods of this world. And it just yeah, I think it. You're right. I mean, we were the form team before this all uh, this, this all came, and it was enjoyable to watch United again. And yeah, you just felt you just felt very optimistic about things moving forward, didn't you? So of course there are there are. There are still question marks over Solskjaer in terms of you know, his long-term ability to get the club to where we want to. But I feel that in terms of put, at least putting the, the foundation blocks in place, he's, uh, he's, done, he's done very well so far. Before we go, I want to ask you a big question. I'm going to come back to you on this whenever, depending on your answer. When will Manchester United win the league again? <sighs> See, uh, like... I, I was always I'm, I'm putting all my mortgage on this now, so you have to get it right. All oh, my buddies going on this. <laughs> like I'm, I've always more glass half full, and I I predicted that United. So basically, what I'm saying to you is, be very wary of putting your mortgage on this because <laughs> I I thought we'd win the league with Van Hal, and I also <laughs> thought we'd win the league with Jose Mourinho. So 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 far, my track record, track record is pretty appalling. When do I think? Hmm. I'm going to say, with no conviction whatsoever, but not next season, the season after. That's what I was going to say, United two years. Yeah, I, yeah. I, was say I kind of feel that, I think we feel, I feel like we have, we've moved in the right direction from a transfer window strategy. It feels like we're on the pulse at the moment. Obviously, nobody through the door as yet. Uh, you know, Gary Neville, as I think, has mentioned you know the the possibility that we might challenge next year hopefully but i feel that i don't know i still feel we're we're a year or two off getting to that point and i feel me saying united will win the league in two seasons time i feel that i feel that we'll be challenging then and i'd like to think we'd win it i think there's a number of factors that the reason why i think two years is actually an okay call i think the champions league ban for city um two years they Mm -hmm. could have is one, it's going to stop a lot of top players going there. They're, they're not going to be as attractive. You're going to have players like Kevin De Bruyne who I think are going to be scratching their head and say, I haven't won a Champions League yet and I'm 
definitely a good enough player to do so, so I might as well move now. That gives United a chance to take advantage, and there's not many teams where I'd say are above United, like miles ahead. There's City and there's Liverpool. That Liverpool team in two years' time, they're going to have to refresh it. Um, there's mm. several several positions there they're going to have to refresh. Those players won't be as good as they are now in two years' time. And what Solskjaer is doing is he's building a young squad. And we mentioned how it's a likeable team now. It's it's a team that is united and is working towards something. And you can see with the likes of Fernandez coming in, there's a spark bubbling again. Um, it's a long, mm. long time since we yeah. had a, had a player come in that's hit the ground running the way he has. And how good is he going to be in a year's time when he's actually used to these players and those players are used to him? Um, so yeah. I think I think it's very much dependent on. I, I don't want to say this transfer window because we don't know what's going to happen with the, the financial crisis. I think this one's going to be a bit a bit of a wipeout really, and maybe future transfer windows. But if United can keep that strategy of maybe adding in another three top top players in different positions, Sancho is one maybe. Um, strengthen the midfield and get a goal score. I don't see why two years is a crazy estimation. I see two years as being, to be honest, what I'd be expected from Solskjaer. From what I've seen so far, I don't think that's that's miles off. No, I don't. I think if you fit, if if players, younger players in particular, continue on the kind of upward path of progression, like Greenwood, Brandon Williams, Marcus Rashford, you know, Anthony Martial, even, and we get it right in the transfer market, which I, I feel he has done so far. I think he's brought, you know, I guess the only level criticism you could level that we needed more last summer. Um, you know, we need more players, but in terms of the personnel that he's brought in, um, I don't think you could, you could have any complaints at all. So, uh, most of them have done really, really well. You know, there's been no flops or failures yeah. so far. Um, so yeah, you like, if, if things continue as they've started, you feel if you were kind of, yeah, that you'd like to think, uh, two years will be. Uh, I mean, yeah, we feel like, feels like we've waited long enough as it is, but uh, it, but yeah, it, it's not only the fact that there's no flops. I think some of the players that I think you'd agree have been struggling, the likes of Luke Shaw and a name, and just before mm, yeah, we that, had that suspension, true. the improvement he he's made, um, a, a number a number, a number of instances like that. The Brandon Williams you mentioned, he came into a squad into the first team squad man and already you kind of talk about him as being a contender for a place in the starting 11 so there's a number of people yeah. that have got the opportunity and the young players that are in the academy will see that some of their peers are getting opportunities uh, and when United go to, to young players that are signing a one guy from Barcelona a 16 year old who's after rejecting a contract at Barcelona he's a right back they're coming to Manchester United because they can see that there's oppor- this manager has given players Opportunities and what that makes is the yeah. academy. It's a hungry academy now, and that's what Manchester yeah. United needs a hungry academy. That's a belief there that if I work hard enough, I will get my chance. And to be honest, our history is pretty much very much based on that, and that's how talented kids yeah. get their chances. Definitely, I think the academy for like for me and for most United fans, it is just it's just so you can't underestimate the importance of it. I feel just in a, in a sense of giving the club. Um, real identity and you know United like like City like Liverpool you know there's lots of money involved now it's a business you know all these things that you know it's a brand all these words that make people squirm and stuff and I think what can set us apart from these you know these are a lot of successful clubs as well so you can't necessarily it's trophies to me it's that constant commitment to taking a lad from you know, from the streets of Ireland, from Manchester, from wherever, and bringing him through, and educating him about you know a culture that they have fostered, and bringing them through, you know, right. That that yeah. to me is like is kind of the ultimate achievement. Having 
you know, a couple of lads, as many as you can get, but obviously, you know, it, it's difficult. But a couple of lads in a team sprinkle with young, talented players, and it feels like you can you can foster something, this kind of togetherness, and that that gives a real to me is what I feel sets us apart and what I love about United, and that's why you know it's so good to see this kind of um, the, the club. Um, putting the money behind this you know, fine. I reckon that's the future with this coronavirus and, and while there's a financial crisis that if they're going to invest in money they're going to invest heavy in, in, in the U team and to build their own players and to develop their own players because realistically as well as that United, United have, a, have a good image at the moment in terms of we mentioned that they have a very good image in the media the way how they dealt with this pandemic and I think if they if they react now if they signed one player for 100 million I think that would, that's okay if they if they if they were in a position where they could go out and sign two three marquee signings, I think actually it would look quite bad in the club to be spending excessively so. excessively on, on transfers and and to kind of really take advantage of teams that really can't. I think you like to be mm. clever there. A, a sign like Sancho um, has been talked about for the best part of nearly two years now. It, 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 that's I think that would be. Or definitely excused, but I think I and I do expect a lot of money to be thrown on young players in the academy. Sixteen-year-olds, fifteen-year-olds. We've seen it last year. There was two guys come in from Ajax, um, so they're making that movement already. I think you look at teams like Bayer Leverkusen, who have been watching a bit at the, at the moment with our fix for for German football, but they, they're a team that is it's a really really young side, really young yeah. side, and. It's exciting watching young young teams. You know, you might not have any affiliation to that club, but I get a buzz that are watching young lads up against more experienced players and see can they get the better of them. And you know, that, yeah. that, that for me, that's one of my thrills as a football fan. But Nathan, before we let you go, how can people find your music and find you on social media? So, so obviously, I, when I left United, I went to kind of do um, various different kind of performance level of work. I'd been started off like most musicians start by doing bars and restaurant stuff and then moved on to more sort of corporate private event stuff uh, which is in very which is largely just cover based stuff but i do write my own uh, write my own music uh, if you've got on instagram facebook twitter it is at music by nlt nathan lewis thomas is the name i use uh, i've got a single out this friday uh, which is my second single um, it's to be honest with you it's not like i've left united to go and tour the world um uh, which is probably another reason why i think people are thinking why did you leave united but i just i love music uh, I love writing music, and it was an opportunity to go and do it and earn a living from it, which I've, you know, um, luckily managed to do. And I didn't know how long it'd be for, um, but I'm enjoying it kind of while it lasts. And like you said before, I've, I've been lucky enough to do various different other things. So who knows? I might go back. I think with this, with the coronavirus, it certainly kind of puts. Um, uh, you know, I, I need to kind of reassess where I'm at in terms of you know Gigs when realistically. Like yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know. Um, where it was one of these things for me where it was just an itch that I had to scratch and even if it meant leaving the biggest club in the world and the club that I've supported since I was um you know since well since I was born uh it was it was um something that I just had to do and I've, I've really really enjoyed it I've met so many great people done some really really cool gigs as I say released some music and uh, uh if you want to follow it, that's where you can get me, nathanlewisthomas.com or music by NLT on all the socials. I think the biggest lesson there, it doesn't matter what job you're in, you're, you're working for Manchester United, and to some people they're going to go, well, that's, that's a dream. 
But it, it, mm. you're big into music too, and I think you deserve to be happy no matter what 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 field you're in. You're, you're a talented lad, um, and I'm, I'm sure if if it if it does if it doesn't work out because a lot of people in the music industry are in a kind of a land of unknown at the moment. You don't know when gigs mm, are going to be definitely. back. When, when this new normal people are talking about. But it, but it's nice. It's nice that you you can fall back on on, on other things too. And best of luck with the future. And best of luck with the new single. Thank you very much. And yourself. Yeah, it's been really good to chat to you, Dale. So uh, take care and speak to you soon. See you again soon, Nathan. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.